And we are live. JT here. Welcome to the huddle. The huddle is where I sit down with successful people from the world of sport and coaching. It's to learn more about their journey to greatness. Why do I have these conversations? Because success always leaves clues. I wanna take a moment to thank you. I wanna take a moment to thank you whether you are joining us live as we stream into our Facebook community, whether you are watching the replay on YouTube or on Facebook, or whether you're listening to the audio on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me and my special guest today. And here's my friendly reminder to you. The mind is like a parachute. It works best when it's wide open. So my challenge is to, to you is to go all in on this conversation, remove any distractions and get laser focused on this conversation. And my guarantee to you is you will gain a valuable nugget of wisdom that will not only help you succeed in sports, but more importantly, in the game of life. I've been looking forward to my conversation with my special guest today. Uh, we've known each other for a few years and we reconnected probably about a year ago. It was actually one of our former classmates and teammates that actually said, hey, you need to get connected with Dan and, and you guys got a, a lot in, in common. So uh, interesting. Who is that, JT? Matt Gienta. Oh, man. Yeah. I'll have to send him a special thank you. <laughs> <laughs> My guest in the huddle today um, is the generational program manager with uh, Equip Leadership Canada. Uh, he's also doing some, uh, some great work uh, with Guelph, Guelph Griffin football. And more importantly, just an amazing human being who... Um, just every time I talk with him, just offers a, a different perspective, um, encourages me to, to think and reflect deeper. Uh, but, you know, more importantly, just, uh, you know, causes me to just shift my perspective on the world. My guest in the huddle today is Dan Rossi. How are you today, brother? Yeah, doing really well. That was a very gracious introduction. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And, you know, I, I think it's just uh, an interesting reminder just to take a moment, just to right, acknowledge people for, for how they're choosing to show up in the world. Mm, it's true. There is a value of celebrating the things that we want to measure. And uh, as much as it's an honor to be here with me, the, the journey that you and I have gone through in our reconnection has just been immensely beneficial in terms of entering into the arenas of vulnerability. And I've appreciated that just in, you know, the thoughts that will pass your mind's landscape and how you reach out and then the conversations that we've had. So it's, it's really a, a place of honor and privilege that I'm joining you today. Thank you, brother. I, I, I received that. Um, and, and it just reminds me that the importance of, of counting your blessings. And I know I shared this with you in the past, you know, it's a daily practice. Some days you knock it out of the park, other days, you know, just room for growth. But uh, I'm a firm believer that the biggest blessing you can give anyone is your time and energy. So um, I'd just like to thank you again for choosing to invest some of your time and energy to be here with me and our community today and just being open to sharing your journey to greatness. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> okay. So, uh, one of the first things I like to do in the huddle is always remind people that life is a game and games are supposed to be fun. So I'm curious, what is an interesting fact? You know, I had one coaching colleague that used to say that we all have our quirks. We all have these things that make us different, unique. Uh, I'm curious, what's a interesting fact, a quirk, maybe a lot of people don't know about you that you'd be open to sharing with our community today? Just one. One. <laughs> That's tough because I, I have a couple that are just they're grand slams. And unfortunately, people 
do know some of these things about me because the way that my wife and I have lived our lives, we're very invitational. So we've had people living with us since we've been married. Um, so as much as I'd like to think they're secrets, they're not. I, I'll go with maybe a, a safe one. Uh, I, I really, really enjoy dancing. And I actually think I'm a fairly good dancer. Uh, I've, you know, I can say that I studied dancing for five years, actually through, through high school. And uh, I, I will just rip it up in our house during Friday night dance party nights. And unfortunately, the quirk is this. I, I have to admit that I'm not as good of a dancer as my wife. And uh, I also had to admit that that's my two five and a half year old boys. <laughs> so it was immensely humbling. And at the same time, it's something that I love. And it's, it's truly a bit quirky about me. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. And as you share that, it just reminds me of that idea that the fun of life is really sort of celebrating those quirks, those, those moments to be silly. And I mean, I say that as someone who it's something I need to consciously practice, right? It, it's to have that, that fun, that joy in the moment, right? And just, you know, it, it really is where, I don't know, it's just like you detach from things and you just are fully thrust into the here and the now. Yeah, I would agree. And that, that there's a contrast there. Uh, because in order for me to live out that quirkiness or, you know, that sense of joy that I actually do feel and just yeah. the rhythm that comes out from this body, whatever that looks like in, <laughs> in yeah. its manifestations, there's, there's the contrast of why I don't do it in certain circles. And yeah. that contrast really surrounds the idea of safety. So with my family, I feel absolutely safe. I'm accepted. I know I belong here. And I can handle their laughs, their, you know, their, their jostling, their imitations of data or my wife's banters of how she truly is better. And it's safe. I mean, in other arenas, I'm going to get in my head. And in my biggest question is, am I going to be accepted? What's this going to look like? And the idea of authenticity and, and being real are up for debate. So people don't get certain parts of who we all are because we use filters in the game of life. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's a great point. And I know we're going to dive deeper into it because I know that that's around a lot of what you have dedicated your life to. So I'm, so I'm curious, brother, you know, we grew up playing sports together, right? Um, so sports has obviously played an important role for you in your life still is to this day, right? With some of the work you're doing, how, how you're, you know, how you're teaching, um, your leadership experiences and sharing them with others. I'm curious, what has been the biggest takeaway that you've received from, from sport and you still find yourself applying to your life today? Hmm. It might be a blending of two. And that, that blending starts off with this idea that in the arena of sport, there's this reality that we experience of falling down. You know, whether that's, you know, a tripping over your feet to something that is a bit more of a misplay. You know, there's this idea of experiential defeat or embarrassment or just really not nailing it. And then there's this also, you know, this opportunity to rise up. And there's a significant dynamic that correlates to every other arena in life. However, in sport, that recovery process could look drastically different. The principles are still transferable. However, in sport, uh, the sense of belonging, unity, the dynamics of teamwork have given me this metaphor that I can come back to no matter when I fall down or, and, and, my journey to greatness has been a series of shortcomings and failures and falling down. But this idea of like, how do I rise up? And both whether in sport or in life, I haven't done it well. My desire and intention is to do it well, to grow and learn how I can rise up with intentionality, uh, maybe with more emotional intelligence. Uh, but it, it's not an easy thing. So I would say that would be a compilation of two of the biggest things that 
I've learned from sports that I often will reflect back onto. And uh, just to, to add in there, the, the dance of human connectivity that you experience with a team, uh, you can use that in substantial ways in other arenas in life. And it's, it's an emotional intelligence that far you know, is superior than anything you can be taught. It is more of an experiential journey. And sport has a unique way of just infusing some of those opportunities for people to grow in that area. So that would be it. I, I love everything you shared, shared there, Dan. And two things what I heard from you. One, that that law of polarity there, right? Where, you know, the perceived defeat rising up, it's, it's the same coin, it's just different sides of it, right? So I, I love that you kind of said it's really in that moment where you have both sides of that coin. But two, what I really heard from you is the power of will, right? And, and that is one of the things that we as human beings have been blessed with is that ability to choose your next thought, right? I get to choose whether I stay down on the floor or two, like you said, I get to choose whether I rise up. And I find like that empowering people with that idea that really at the end of the day, that's what you can control in life, right? The ability to choose your next thought and how giving people permission there it just reminds them that that really is what you can control and it doesn't matter your circumstances, but you always have that choice. So, so that's what I really heard from you there. Hmm. Yeah, I, I do appreciate that. And, and I do like the idea that you do have a choice and that permission is where the dance begins. Uh, because there, there is no timeline on these things. And we can unpack this question. And, and this is what I love about you and I. Uh, the thing that sticks out, and I'll keep it laser focused for you, uh, <laughs> is that uh, the permission area of these things is not just a self introspective question. It's also the extension of the community that we're around. And sport is a significant arena where acceptance and belonging you know, create a family dynamic this, you know, I'm a part of something bigger than who I am as an individual. And that there's an attractiveness to that. There's an appeal to that, that idea of permission when you're on the journey of rising up. Uh, I would just say, if you are someone that is assisting someone in that journey, the ideas of grace and gentleness and just walking side by side with that person is a gift that you can give. The, the natural propensities that we have to just wanna make someone feel good and say, hey, it's gonna be okay. I think we've all lived long enough to know that most times things will be okay, but they might be different. And, and I can say that just having a football injury where I tore my ACL. So the idea of rising up, it, it looked different. And when I was able to metaphorically stand on both feet and, and return to sport, I didn't return to football. So for people that were encouraging, and there's nothing that, you know, I'm indifferent to. This is not me trying to be very particular on language. It's just trying to be conscientious to meeting people where they are. Uh, Dan, you're going to go back to football. You can still do it. You haven't lost anything. You have a university. Uh, you know, my journey just was something totally different. And there's a reckon, you know, a reckoning that you go through with that and a grieving when you leave something that you love and committed a lot of time and effort, energy, blood, sweat, and tears to, you need to honor these things. So it's a very beautiful process. So don't rush it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, you bring up a great point. And, and I love how you talked about that idea of giving permission, because I think one of those things is, you know, as humans, we're sometimes very quick to try to, like you said, soothe, uh, console, comfort. And again, our attentions might be coming from a from a place of from the you know quote unquote the right place. But really, are you truly honoring that? Are you really giving people permission just to sort of sit with it and observe it and sort of determine their next steps? 
And why I love that is I know for me, that's been a daily practice, right? Especially with my own kids, because then that's truly where that idea of unconditional love is, right? Like just like you said, loving people where they're at, provide, giving them, gifting them with some grace and compassion. And, and it's interesting how just creating that space is truly, I believe from my experience, one of the things that we crave as humans the most, right? It's just because I think it allows us to feel seen, to feel heard, to feel appreciated. Hmm. Yeah, JT, I like that because most people want to be seen, heard, understood, validated. And more times a response is not what makes things better. What makes things better is a connection. And, and I absolutely believe that, not just from the you know, field of psychology, I believe it from you know, my experiential uh, moments of walking into these experiences. So I'll, I'll just highlight one. And uh, this is when I was a police officer serving in Calgary. There are certain cur curriculums that do not prepare you for what you experience in the real world, if I can just use that as a metaphor. And this idea of walking into people's worst moments while serving as a police officer was immensely uh, a place of privilege. And the fact that I am here in a capacity to help and I'm in your worst moments, arguably, of life, uh, there is something that is so broken or so painful, and here I am. And not every situation is going to result in a criminal charge. Some of the hardest situations I dealt with were suicides, where you're sitting with family members, or death of uh, a partner, a lifelong partner. And it's in those moments where you, you know, this idea of just don't rush it, and sitting in the presence of a complete stranger and you're there for a number of professional and legal reasons, uh, what do you see in those spaces? And in the quietness, and it, quietness for two reasons. One, I was scared. Two, I, I truly didn't know what to say. But there's something said about quietness that opens up connectivity. Empathy can be communicated in a bunch of different ways. And it's amazing to me that in some people's worst moments where I just would not want to perceive what that could look like in my life, I heard some beautiful stories and some real difficult things where, uh, I mean, I'm glad I did. And I'm sharing all of that to, to just highlight one extreme and uh, just what we were talking about before. It's going to look different. You can't really rush it. Um, As you share that, it just, an, an idea that came on the screen of my mind is, is that idea of the power of being, right? And we all live in a world where we're led to believe it's, it's the power of doing. But as you so beautifully highlighted there, often your power comes from your ability to just sit and to be. Mm -hmm. And what I love from your lived experiences, you have come from some of what I can only imagine are the most challenging situations, right? Like you come from a background of policing, uh, of military. And, and these are some of the most, again, challenging environments, things that I, I, I can only imagine some of the things you've seen that you've had to experience. And, and they're just, just being able to offer this grace, this permission, this safe space I, I just, I'm sort of inspired by that. So I guess my question is, has this been something that, has this been a skill you've always had? Is it something that, you know, someone taught you or is it just really like, where, do, where did this ability to, to be, to listen, to, to be compassionate uh, and patient with others? Where, where did that come from? Uh. I'm glad that you framed it in the positive. <laughs> it, it, it's beginnings, I'll start there, was from a framework that I adopted when I was quite young. And that framework has been something I've used through my whole life. It, it's worked for me, so I'm not describing this as this is what you need to do. Uh, this is just me sharing my journey. And it goes back to my, the inspiration I drew from Jesus, his life teachings and example of leadership, the dynamics of how he showed compassion, 
And there is a, a famous story in Matthew 9.36 that says that he looked at the crowds and had compassion on them. And as a young person of the age of 11, 12, that, I was just fascinated with this idea. And what I didn't know at the time was this would be a framework for how I made life decisions. So I was never really worried about what am I going to do in life? I was always more concerned with, well, how am I going to have the biggest impact to make a difference? And that journey has looked very different. Military police, uh, Samaritan's Purse. I was a missionary in Laos for five years. So it's looked very different. And there's a large part of me that's okay with that. A lot of transition. It's being drawn to this idea of being able to interact with people and have an, a potential positive outcome. Now, in that process, to answer your question, there's been a lot of mistakes that I've made uh, where the idea of who I wanted to become went through valleys of trespassing the very values that I wanted to live with. And when I experienced that inconsistency of stated value, kind, compassionate listening, and then the trespass, I, I mean, that really interrupts your emotional landscape. And it can put you into a state of disintegration within yourself. So it was in those moments of reconciling those valleys of hurting someone else or not listening to a way that honored that person or you know, making a quick decision in leadership that really didn't consider someone else's perspective. And then being confronted, whatever that looked like, whether that was in my family life or in a professional circle. It's through the experience of failing and having people share grace, a kind response where I thought I would have been disqualified or that I could not return to the relationship in the way that it was. And the person that's done this by far uh, in the most exemplary ways for me is my wife, uh, where, you know, we've all can reflect on a moment where we've made a mistake or a trespass that we think is so bad that the only conception would be punishment or distance or, yeah, you know, whatever matrix of resti restitution and reconciliation you think of. And when someone exercises grace as not just a gift, but as a life practice, there's something so powerful with that. And I, you know, I, I love it because I get to do that every day with my, my two boys. And I get a hundred opportunities within a day, thousands within a week, millions within a year to, to not perfect it because I'm not looking to, to be perfect in it, but just to lean into it and try to do it right instead of just trying to be right. You know what I love about what you're sharing is how, you know, what I heard from you again is that other people, other people, your wife in, in that example you're sharing are just mirrors, right? Like they sort of remind you about what could be, right? About what you could demonstrate. And I love how you sort of tied that up there that, you know, it, it's coming, there's always opportunities in life, right? We always have the ability to, to create an opportunity. And like you said, with, the, with your boys, you have a hundred opportunities a day. And it's great to think about, hey, this is, this is the person I want to be with my family. But it, it's again, it's using one of those 100 opportunities to follow up with an action, right? And that's where I, I have found that's where the piece of life is when you can integrate great thought with great action. And mm -hmm. right. And, and I often say this I had a great mentor said, act as if, right? Act as if you were already that person. And why that resonates with me, I'll, I'll tie that up is I just started integrating this new habit. So I realized like driving my kids to school this year, as I've shared numerous times here, it's been a very, although a simple action, it's been one of the most transformative, healing and peaceful actions because truth be told, coming from parents who were just at a different stage of life, I didn't always have those opportunities with my parents to, to, to get driven to school. But I found just that simple action. And now what I'm starting to do is I get out of the car, I offer my kids, you know, a hug, my daughter always takes me up. My soon-to-be preteen son does not always, but I find just following up that drive with another action, like just offering, hey, have a blessed day. Love you. Proud of you. Would you like a hug? I find like just that, that strengthening kind of that who I want to be, right? So that's why that really resonated with me. Mm. Yeah, JT, if you summarize that 
what what you just said that that concept of human connection because we are wired for connectivity the sense of acceptance and belonging uh, we search for it and it's expressed in different ways in any one particular person's life that experience that you shared with your children can totally be transformed into the arenas that people play in hockey, soccer, basketball, volleyball, and even into the individual sport arenas of tennis, rock climbing. And that I feel has the capacity to become the biggest measurable component of any one team's uh, internal matrix, if you will. It's not a matter of win loss. And this is my perspective. So I'm not, I want to be very careful when you speak passionately and give a disclaimer that I don't exist in the same world that a lot of coaches do. I'm actually not a coach. Uh, I've had the privilege of coaching uh, our former high school for a couple of years, but this is not my my everyday. So I'm saying this from more of an experiential platform, and I feel as though it's highly transferable. And when you can really understand that, the power of connectivity really has an opportunity to give a platform that you can build from. And we're talking the things that we can read on a bulletin board that would reflect our values. You know, we want to be a family. We want to respect each other, honor each other. We need a foundation. And what you were sharing, JT, is, you know, the building blocks of that foundation. Well, you bring up that interesting idea and, and you talked about this idea of like foundations right and really you know culture is a word that gets thrown around in sport right what's the culture of this team but if you really peel back the layers what is what is culture it's group habit peel back habit what are habits they are fixed ideas what is fixed ideas ideas that have been repeated over and over and over again what is the essence of that idea a thought. So it's interesting how great cultures are built on a great, are the foundation of great thoughts. And from my experience, you know, being in, in the sports world for the last 35 years is the teams, the coaches, the athletes that have the most clear values are the ones that have the strongest culture. So, so I agree with you. These are very transferable. And when you have clear values, great culture, it's funny how that, the results on the field, on the ice, on the court, they take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I do like that. And I would add that culture is not, it's not a permanent structure. It's changing and we've all experienced this. You, you know, we get a new head coach, things are going to change. There is a power dynamic that is connected to that for sure. You know, with new a new person, there's new thoughts, a new a new regiment. And I think the important thing to remember is that it, if it remains flexible, and if you allow the the idea of mistakes and failures to be a prominent posture within that culture there's something even different that you can achieve as an organized group of people trying to affect one outcome, <laughs> whether that's winning in the game of football or winning in the game of life. Mm -hmm. And that's where I, I think football, and I'm biased, I've only played football, rugby, and it, so I'm, I'm so limited as a human being. <laughs> uh, don't get me started. I'm like, I'm a man and, you know, I'm yeah. a Jesus follower. So there's so many limitations that may be applicable to this conversation or maybe not the idea of failure is something that we talk about and we reference great people with the the challenge with it all and this kind of connects some other conversations we've had it's very uncomfortable so if we can become comfortable with it and even redefine what that looks like within our cultures as permissible expected and how are we going to respond, not just as a coaching staff or even as an individual player or the O-line, you know, like you can break it down in any format you want. How are we going to respond really is what matters. Um, are we going to be punished for our failures? Are we going to have to do extra laps? Are we going to experience a disconnect from our coach? Because 
that impacts a player's ability to actually perform at the next level. And given that situation, if, if a failure occurs, whoever's at fault or whoever initiated it, I mean, we, I would even go beyond having to identify who's at fault in, in some situations. We could enter into a process of restoring dignity where we can you know, really just communicate, it's okay to make failures, I'm gonna make them. I yelled at you, JT, in a way that really isolated you from the group. I told you to pick it up, that I expected more. And I understand that that could have been shaming or made you feel very embarrassed. And you can you know, come with me because I need to affirm you, not as a human, not just as a human being, but as a player as well. You have a lot of skill, man. Like I've seen what you can do. Take two minutes, take a couple of deep breaths, and then come back when you're ready. And that transforms culture, uh, if I can connect it that way. Well, and as you were sharing there, you know, what came up for me is I came back to, you know, can you create that space where risk-taking, failure, whatever, whatever human contract you want to say is, is embraced, right? Like it's just part of the ebbs and flows of this journey we call life or journey of a season or, you know, part of the human experience that when you really just unpack that, you start to realize it's just, it's just a snapshot in time. That play doesn't define you, right? It's just, it is what it is. Mm. It, it really reminded me of a conversation I had a few weeks ago uh, with Alexia Tam, who's an expert in the safe, space, uh, safe sports space and how she really uh, shifted my awareness and understanding because I know sometimes that talking to other coaches, the term safe sport sometimes gives people these, these connotations of what it is. And when she unpacked it, what she started to realize is you have a choice. Like what she wants to do, she wants to empower other athletes and coaches to create more diverse, equitable, inclusive environments. And really through that, create connection, authenticity, which mm. I know is a big driver of you. So it's funny how all these things are kind of interwoven, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And not easy to, to play out. Like, we're just such complex human beings, uh, very unique in our individualities and just very complex. Um, but it can be done. And that's yeah. the beauty of it. So I, I applaud my sister. Uh, I'll listen to that that session yeah. that you guys did. I, I think it's brilliant. And I think that's where I've had the opportunity to, to play. I mean, I'm using that, that word, I hope it's not offensive, but just to, to bring that ex experience, experiment into yeah. the professions that I've uh, served in. Yeah. And it, it's gone well, and it's also been very difficult. Um, mm. And what I've learned in the whole process, if I can share this, is that yeah it's allowed me to rediscover my definition of courage. And for me, that's been very important. And, and you did ask me this question and this is what I, I shared. It, it redefined my definition of courage to be understood through the pathway of vulnerability. And you, you can appreciate and understand as a, a military guy, a police guy, I thought courage was very one-dimensional. Did I have what it took to, to go into that building and you know, be able to stand in the line of fire? Uh, could I you know, push through the, the feelings of being scared or overwhelmed and you know, respond to a dangerous situation? And th there's still an element of courage in there. But the courage that I think uh, Mrs. Tan was talking about and what I'm referring to is this idea of vulnerability and Vulnerability is not about getting it right or getting it wrong. It's actually the courage to show up and just continue the journey and be absolutely real with the people around you saying, I actually don't know. And I, I need to hear your feedback. And uh, to me, that's just become the measure of, of courage in my, my personal life. I love that. And what I heard from you again is that showing up who you want to be and and so I, so I guess here's my question is anytime you present new ways of thinking, new ideas, 
right? You're, you're going to be met with resistance, right? That's why culture. And like you said, it's malleable. It's, it's, it's in flow. You can constantly create new stuff. I guess, based on your lived experience, if you were talking with a coach who is maybe resistant to the idea, okay, like this is great in theory. I have A, B, C, D to do. I like, where do I even begin? Like, you know, where do I even start to create this culture of connection, authenticity? Because essentially I was brought up in a culture where players play coaches coach. Mm. So, so what would you say or what, what piece of, what would you offer that, that person um, on where to get started? Hmm. It's a valuable question. Uh, I am not someone that has an expectation that you just move from zero to 60 within a 24 hour period. Uh, that change is immediate and it's intimate. It, it's a process and it's a journey. There are some great mentors out there. Um, and I can name a few that you can tap into. So then there's a, an objective third party that can enter into your arena and provide these conversations where it's safe for you as you explore what this looks like. Because the hardest part of this journey is having to reconcile all of this uncomfortable stuff within us. So then you can move to the next level. And if you're willing to take that step of courage as a coach, I guarantee you, you're gonna experience a completely different experience on whatever field you, you play on and, and coach through. Um, but it's a lot of work. And that's why I think it, it's definitely a leap of courage. It's not, it's not going to be for everyone. And if you have someone to do it with, there's value in that. And if you want to have some easy, like relieve yourself of this overwhelming, like, how am I going to get there? You can just take comfort in small practical steps. And I know that you have a, a, a world of one to threes, JT, that you can help people with. And small steps, I mean, it's cliche, but it's... <laughs> The beginning of a thousand journey mile. I mean, for someone who's walked across the country, I did not do it in one literal day. I, you know, it was a series of combined steps and so is true with life. So you can just start very small. And if I'm going to throw encouragement out there in a coaching dynamic, it would just be, how do you engage in this process of uh, reconciling a disconnection with a, a player or a group of players? And I'm not advocating that you have to stop yelling or I would advocate don't use shame as a, a coaching tool. I don't think that's effective. Um, but if you make a trespass and you feel it and you're like, ah, I think I went a bit too far. You can reconcile that moment and call that person or that group of players together and take two minutes out of the practice schedule and reaffirm them as human beings and affirm them in their skill sets what drew you to recruit them or what put them onto that team. You can affirm these things and it can still be messy. That's the beautiful part of all of it. Cause if we have expectations to be perfect, I mean, gosh, uh, I feel the whole long, I, I feel a long time ago, um, but that's what we were talking about with permission and grace. Uh, yeah. But I would encourage you to take some small steps and your book has some really great initial steps that you can take and Again, the world of mentorship is valuable. Um, so yeah. Because I love I love the simplicity of what you share. What I heard from you was again this practice of celebrating the wins of others. And, and one thing I often say, and this is where I love sharing an idea. And sometimes I find the ideas that go against the cultural norms are sometimes the ones that resonate most with people, right? It's like when I share. The idea that fake it or fake it till you make it is complete yes. Mm -hmm. Or this I or another one I share is when you learn to celebrate the wins of others as much as your own, you will be free. And why I love sharing that reminds people that comparison is a trap, right? And there's so many great quotes around there, but it's amazing what happens when you create a culture where you truly and I heard you talk about it is like you truly celebrate people. Right? Like you celebrate their gifts, their talents and their abilities. You let them know you see it in them. And it's just, it, it's amazing the shift that can happen when, when you do that, when you consistently practice that, like celebrate them. And the benefit is it's not just, 
you know, some people might say, oh, okay, well, that's great theory. No, it's actually, it's, it's the law, right? It's the impression of increase. It's leaving people better off than when you got there. And it's amazing when you do that consistently, that creates, that builds deeper trust, deeper connections. And the funny thing is do it enough. The wins are going to show up on the scoreboard and in the, in the standings. So I as a that. byproduct. Yep. Yeah. I mean, if, if I was coaching right now, my biggest, my biggest push would be in the arena of life. Uh, I think we owe it to each other, just as you said, to, to help each other grow and to develop and to become a better version of ourselves or help our communities grow and experience mm -hmm. a bit of that harmony that we see when compassion, kindness is infused into that, that space. And the win-loss, as important as it is, I would, I would submit should not be your number one measurable. Uh, if your measurables are celebrating what encouragement looks like, and, and this is what I loved about being a leader responsible for people. I mean, our values that we had organizationally, best practices, we would actually break them down and not just write them on paper, say, we wanna be an authentic community. What we would do, and it reflected on our performance reviews was you were evaluated on how you lived out the values of our organization, not how much money you made, or, you know, I, I was working in anti-trafficking ministries in Laos, not how many women came into our program. It was how well did you respect someone else? And you see it, you celebrate it right away, or, you know, it, when it comes by your desk in the office, you're going to be intentional to be like, JT, hey man, I like you were really generous. I heard that you gave your jacket to someone and that's awesome. And the more you use language and intentionality, that's where the culture can change quite easily. And it doesn't need to be a daunting restructuring. No, it, it's very slow, intentional steps towards becoming a better arena that is not just a safe place, but a very attractable place for people to want to join. Um, and yeah, there's got to be a, an equation that equates winning <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. Now. Yeah. It's uh, again, like as you share that, it, it goes back to the idea where I shared with you earlier. It, it's thinking and acting as if like it's already done. Like what if you thought and acted like you already won on the scoreboard and Right. And that allows you to detach from what the arbitrary number is on a scoreboard in the bank account, right, on your sales sheet and just focus on the process of what do it, what is it that I need to do right now? Who is it I need to be right now? Who, what are the qualities I need to embody and demonstrate right now? Hmm. And, and I find like when I'm most consistent, and again, it's a daily practice, that's where things just flow, right? Like when I'm more consistent there and the here and the now, life just feels different. And I think you would be courageous to say your consistency does not mean perfection. Your, your consistency would be a mix of wanting to, to try to get it right as opposed to just being right. I, I don't know, I don't wanna put words in your mouth, but knowing you, the difference that I would highlight is that you've learned how to say sorry. And that is very consistent with who you are becoming. Yeah. Would you agree or have a different perspective? 110%. Uh, the illusion of perfection, I've shared it again here. I had a great coach or mentor business-wise that uh, we got off a mastermind. I was crying, right? Like he, he, shared, a, he shared something that totally just hit me between the proverbial eyes. I was crying, calls me after, and he looks at me dead in the eye. He goes, stop trying to be so effing perfect. Then he smiled. I knew he was coming from a place of loving me tough. And he said, could I ask you a question? Yes. Does every football play you call go as planned? No. And he just asked me, so why do you try to do it in your personal life and in your business? He asked me not necessarily what I wanted to hear in the moment, 
but he asked me a question that I needed to hear. And I find that question that he asked me a year and a half ago on a snowy winter day has been a game changer in my life. I often go back to it. Like I, I, I feel so indebted to him for him giving me that grace and compassion to meet me where I was at and just helping me discover the answer for myself. Hmm. So that was the moment that I started to release this illusion of perfection and embrace imperfection. And it's like you said, it's been a game changer. Oh, I, I believe it. And I haven't been there for all your worst moments, but I, I believe it because I've experienced it myself. Yeah. And you also brought back a, a part that we shared of a tribe of mentors and that connection that you had with that person allowed feedback, even though it may have been met with a bit of defensiveness, <laughs> that relationship was secure and safe enough that there was a transfer of, in that case, a challenge, you know, and there was probably others where there was a transfer of celebration and acknowledgement and affirmation of good, good job, JT. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, brother. I, I receive it. Um, I heard a, a podcast recently, and this was a former NFL player who talked about who had transitioned to another adventure in life. And he shared the idea that borrowed wisdom saves you time and energy and money too. So it's interesting, like when you're open, when the mind's open to learning from people who are achieving results that you desire to, that you might not be there yet. It's funny how that accelerates progress in your life and, and actually you can achieve more and with greater ease. Yeah, we don't live long enough to make all the mistakes to learn from. So yes, road <laughs> wisdom, I like that. <laughs> yeah. so, so I'm curious here and, and a word came up for me as you were sharing. What relationship does, was, does the word trust have in all these? When you're building connection, when you're building authentic and, and, and being vulnerable, how important, what does trust factor into it? I'm curious from your lived experience. Hmm. Oh, man. Well, it's still very much in the, the processing stage. Uh, trusts. Uh, I really like what what Jesus said about trust. Trust is given, not earned, which is a complete flip of what most slogans and, you know, uh, mantras that we, we understand and have heard. And I am very much of uh, a trust is given kind of person. Now, there's, there's a caution statement with all that. You still need to guard your heart because you don't want people just to stomp on it and be taken advantage of. So I don't want to give this perception that being a trusting person means that you're a doormat. It's absolutely not. Uh, giving trust is, is a process. It's a dance. So I will give it. And if there's a trespass, then we reevaluate what that looks like. If someone has to earn it, then we're already starting at a disadvantage where there's, there's going to be a, a filter process. We're not, I'm not going to show you JT, my authentic self first. And if I go within like the internal landscape, I've lived a significant portion of my life where I just didn't really trust myself. <laughs> so that had a huge implication on the idea of trust with another person. Mm -hmm. And part of that was, I would question if I shared too much, was I too vulnerable? Uh, you know, as you just rumble with ideas or thoughts or change that you want to manifest in your own life. And when I became comfortable with who I was, accepting all of my weakness and limitations, accepting the fact that I have failed and I have hurt people along that process, things that I never would have wanted when I was 20, looking at the, the long run of turning 40, uh, I've been able to trust a whole lot differently in the past five years than I was in the 35 before that. So it's, I don't have an answer, lock key, but uh, I still like this idea that trust is given. And when there is a fracture, it doesn't disqualify you. Um, we just enter into a difficult conversation and we talk about that. And we both have a choice to pursue reconciliation or if I'm a leader, you're gonna put me in a position where you may actually need to leave this team or this organization. Um, but I still like to give people a choice because to me, it just feels like an honoring thing 
that we can do to another human being. Um, and if you've been in a position where you've experienced this empowerment, that just leaves bitterness and hurt inside of you for a very long time. And some people may even go to the grave with those type of hurt feelings. And uh, listen, I'm saying this because I've, I've had to go back years later and apologize for things that just didn't sit right. So it's not this, you know, model of, <laughs> listen, if you're going to do this, it's going to be hard, but it's worthwhile because if it's too easy, I would say that's just not worth doing. So choose the hard road in this situation and maybe reconsider what trust looks like for you. I love your analogy of how you said trust is given, it's not earned, you know, from your lived experience. And why that resonates with me is this idea of it, to me, it, it's coming from a place of abundance, right? Like you, you're going to give people the benefit of the doubt, like you see their greatness in them, right? It's, it's, it's that trust where, you know, we've been programmed to believe that trust is earned, and I feel like it's transactional. You do this for me, then you get, then I'll start to trust you. And, and it just feel, it's just, it's, it, it's tit for tat. And it, to me, it feels, it lands differently, at least from my experience. So I love this idea of, of trust is given, right? I, I, you know, I, I see the best in you. But like you said, I reserve the right that if that trust is broken, we get to reassess what this looks like moving forward. And again, there's that built-in choice. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like how you summarize that. And truthfully, if we use our own matrix of what it means to earn my trust, the power dynamic that changes is that I could be more susceptible to pride and self-idealation. <laughs> These are horrible things within a culture. And we've all experienced it and we're all aware of it cognitively, but that kills culture. It, it, it creates disconnect. So if your goal as a coach or a leader organizationally is to create connections, it doesn't mean you have to share everything in your diary. I'm not talking about that level of vulnerability. It's just to admit like when you don't know the answer to feel comfortable enough to say, I, I actually don't know. I need to hear guys what, what ideas you're rumbling with. Um, changes the game but if people need to earn whatever matrix that you're probably not going to establish in a model for people to understand if i do this this and this i'm going to earn jt's trust um yeah there's something to be really considered in in that phrase and even how we approach that that component of life so i'm curious on your idea with the trust i love how you know, it's often said in personal growth and self-development and I consciously, I understood this for many, or sorry, cognitively, I understood this for many years, but subconsciously, it was a word, it took me a little bit of time to truly understand it, that other people are simply a mirror of you. So if you give trust, then what you're sharing with that person is you are someone that I can trust. So then they reciprocate that by trusting you. So I'm curious, what is your idea around this idea of trust? And that other people. So if you're trust, if you're trustful, then people will reciprocate. If you're distrustful, then people just won't trust you. I'm kind of curious on your idea around that. So if I'm trustful, people might reciprocate that. And if there's an issue of not being trustworthy, then that might get reciprocated as well. Yeah. Okay. So, sorry, I'll reframe. That's where these ideas. So if you are trusting a people, then people will trust you. If you are distrustful of others, then people will be distrustful back to you. And it's simply, you're just mirroring other people. You just sort of mirrored back what you're putting out in the world. So yes. Okay. No, no, no. I get that. Uh, oh man. Uh, and I've, I've explored the whole spectrum of it from, yeah wanting to try to control the outcome or the response of that person. Okay. Very dangerous manipulation, okay. power control. I mean, don't do okay. that. Okay. Uh, and when you do acknowledge that those were your motives, okay. uh, true, genuine relationship, people can, they sense it. And when it, when it takes place, it's so authentic and real. You can identify anything that is disingenuous right away. You would know if I was making up a strategic way to, 
build relationship with you, JT, you would, you would know that and it would impact how we would connect or maybe we wouldn't connect. And the same way is true for a player coach relationship, a boss employee, I, I mean, it exists. So if you make it strategic because you've read a good book, there's a danger component to that. If you're able to like journey and come to, to peace with the, the beautiful mess that you are, accepting you know the uncomfortable negative emotions of like failure and like, yeah, you know what? I, I have not done this really well and I want to do it better. People will respond to that a hundred percent more, and that is what attracts me to to want to be in a mentoree mentor relationship, uh, to play for a coach harder. You know, yeah. I experienced that when we were playing for Terry Lyons. Yeah. It's those things that it just spews authenticity, and it revives and inspires a part of our souls, and that is contagious. So with okay. trust, I've, I've had to release this idea that I can control the outcome. And at the end of the day, I live with myself. And if my consciousness is clear, uh, I'm actually really happy with that. And okay. even if that resulted in someone stepping on my heart or taking advantage, I can recover from that if I lived in that moment the way that I want to live from a, a holistic lifespan. Mm -hmm that's where I want to arrive to if I mean that's the journey I want to be on because I don't think I'll ever arrive that's the journey I want to be on okay okay and I and I, I love what you shared and I love a couple of things jumped out to me as you're talking about like the intention right so what 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 is your intention from this question this action right is it truly to love on people right so I love that that's great food for thought and the other thing that I really, and what I've come to learn is, like you said, people can always get a sense, like they're all, you're always making people feel something, you know, and people that uh, have done the work that are, are more self-aware, right? They, they can feel it. And, and it's like that spidey sense goes off, mm -hmm. right? So it's always really it's always really important to understand what the intention is, because they're going to be feeling it. Even if they don't know it, it's going to kind of, their spice sense is going to go off and they're just going to feel a little icky about it. I think we've all been there, but I think we've also had it before with someone who's truly pouring into us and it's just, it just feels good, right? Because you feel like this person is completely just um, interested in, in you and getting to know you. So, yeah. so I love that. And I'll sum it up by saying that's intuition. It's the higher conscious faculty. So I love it. That was easy. So good. Or it's truly the measure of greatness. Yeah. How much you give away. And uh, I like that. I was, uh, I had the privilege of having uh, Mike Pinball Clemens come and share just at one of our practices. Uh, it was our training the other day. Yeah. And that was, I mean, he said a lot of good things, but I think that was, the thing that I identified with the most, and yeah. it's that servant leadership perspective. And yeah. we shared that my inspiration was first, you know, in my mind's eye from Jesus. And Pinball was able just to share with these young athletes, like, it's how much you give away. And I love what you said at the beginning. It's time. It's, it's who you are as a relational human being to another person that mm -hmm. walks this earth. It doesn't have to be constricted to finances you know, reputation, it's, it is a, a significant measure of that journey towards uh, greatness, if, yeah. uh, if I'm going to use your words. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever arrive there, JT, but uh, okay. I'm certainly on a journey. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm curious, brother, I want to be respectful of your time and energy. I have one last question for you. Let's say that you have King Midas's touch right? Like everything you touch turns to gold. Yes, it's filled with both ebbs and flows. <laughs> what are you in the process of helping to create in this world? Like, what would you like to see happen? Like in terms of serving your life purpose, serving the hearts of others, and just making this world a better place? Like, I'm, I'm curious, what's on your heart, brother? Well, that's, that's big, man. Oh, well, it's truly, uh, 
Okay, well, it's it's not selfish. It, it, it stems from the way I walk this earth as a man, as a husband, and as a father. So it starts in that trifecta of the reality that is me. And my goal is really a summation of what we're talking about. I want to become a safer person where my children feel that they can connect with me. And I've experienced disconnection with them and it's absolutely horrible and it, there's no positive outcome until I'm humble enough to just say, you know what, dad, I've really, I raised my voice kiddo and I, I shouldn't have done that. And it still doesn't mean that what they did to instigate my response is not going to go, you know, without a conversation. It just, it's that reestablishment of connection that I just want to be a lot more sensitive to not just in my personal life, but as I walk this earth in whatever roles I get to serve in. And as if we're going to go bigger, then yeah, I'd love to have conversations like this in, a, in the arenas or the areas of life where they really need to be had and to do it in a way that's, it's going to be a little uncomfortable, but I think we can do it in a safe environment with a safe context. So then we can really, yeah, go on this journey collectively. And that's kind of what I would leave you with. I love it, brother. I, again, I love your openness, you know, your, your willingness to be vulnerable. Um, just on a side note, I had the same moment with, with my son this morning where I was feeling a little uh, frustrated about something else. And then on the car ride, I apologized and said, that's not a, that's not a you problem. That's a, that's a me. Mm. And, and like you said, it's, it's, it's amazing how, how freeing that is when you, when you, and how powerful that lesson can be for your kids. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious if this resonated with anyone. And again, I know you definitely gave me a ton of food for thought, you know, um, how can people connect with you, learn more about what you're helping to grow? You know, what, what's, what's the best way? <laughs> well, I mean, if, uh, there's an insecurity part of me to say, well, thank you. And that, I mean, that's honorable if you feel some of this stuff uh, stuck and you want to dialogue more about it. You can throw my website in the, the link. I, I serve with an organization called Equip Leadership Canada. Yeah. And uh, JT, you can use my email that uh, will give people a, an entry point to questions or even comments. I, I, I am on a journey. So consider that in the things that we shared today and yeah. willing to learn as much as um, excited to explore and discover. Mm. I love that. And I'll be sure to share those details in the description on Facebook, on YouTube, on the podcast, and, and share that with people. because I definitely know you, you gave some food for thought. So Dan, I, I, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you. I want to acknowledge you for the man you are, you know, the great husband, the great dad, the great son, you know, the great coach and mentor, but more importantly, the great human being you are. The one thing that I've been constantly inspired by from our conversations is just the level of grace and compassion that you give others. The reason it's so powerful and a reminder to me is it allows you to create authentic connections and it gives people permission to, to be vulnerable, to open up their hearts. So, so I just want to acknowledge you for that because that's a gift. And I'm just so enthused to see how many more people you can bless moving forward. Well, thank God for those gifts, man. <laughs> I do receive it. And uh, thank you. Those, those words land very softly on my heart. And you're very kind, JT, uh, in how you're able to summarize and just celebrate someone else. So I, I do receive that. Thank you. So folks, Dan shared so many valuable nuggets of wisdom. But as I remind you every week in the huddle, Knowledge is potential power. It's the consistent and focused application of great knowledge that actually creates great results. So my challenge to you is to take one of these valuable nuggets of wisdom and go apply it in your life today. 
And as I remind you every week in the huddle, you are deserving of greatness. You are worthy of greatness. You are greatness. And my only ask from these conversations is if it resonates with you, then please share it with a friend, a loved one, someone in your life that needs to hear this wisdom. The reason is the more people we have understanding these simple ideas and applying in their life, the more you'll be able to shine your light and the more lights will be able to shine of other people. I look forward to chatting with you next time in the huddle. Have a blessed rest of your day and we'll see you next time.